Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. St. Augustine once said, Men go abroad to wonder at the heights of mountains, at the huge waves of the sea, at the long courses of the rivers, at the vast compass of the ocean, at the circular motions of the stars, and they pass by themselves without wondering. Isn't it easy, though, to see these types of things and be in awe? Yet the truly remarkable thing about each is that their Creator tells us we have infinitely more worth than they do, and He desires to lavish His love on us. And if you're ready to explore and experience that kind of love for yourself, then join us now for our series, Wonder, as we continue the Upward Journey. How y'all doing? Hey, you guys are doing fantastic. I love it. Does anybody else just feel like dancing when that music comes on? Okay, I just want to make sure I'm not crazy. Hey, if we haven't met, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here and grateful uh, that you're here, but also just grateful to be able to share my heart with you today as we, as we dive into week three of this series, Wonder. If you haven't been with us for the last couple of weeks, uh, what we've been doing is just going through Psalm 139 and just kind of breaking apart pieces of it and, and looking really at the character of God and who he is and what that means in our lives. And so again, if you weren't here with us the first week, Pastor Andy, our lead pastor, he dove into this concept of God being a God that knows everything. He knows everything everything about you, which I know can be a little terrifying, but also reassuring. He knows everything. He knows past. He knows present. He knows future. He knows different timelines that maybe exist. I don't know, right? He knows everything. And then last week, uh, he talked through a, a God that, really, a God that can be anywhere, a God that is everywhere. He's everywhere, right? So he was fully present. He's fully present with us right now. When we shot that confetti off, he was here with us, fully present, in all of those spaces, fully present. But he was also completely on the other side of the planet while somebody was sleeping because it's a different time zone. I don't know if you know that. And he was fully present with them as well. He is a God that is everywhere. And today we get to look at kind of one of those attributes of God that like, if he didn't have this attribute, I don't know that you could really say that's God. Because see, God is a God that can do anything. God can do anything. And if you're like me, after just kind of thinking about that and what that means, I start asking myself questions, which sometimes get me in trouble, and sometimes I learn something new, right? And just as I was looking at, at that, that idea of God can do anything, I started asking myself, what would I do if I could do anything? Like, what would I really do? What would you do if you could do anything, right? And then I came to the realization that I need to skip past all the crazy stuff that I would do. You know, if I get to do anything for all of eternity, what would I do? So I would do some crazy stuff, let's be honest make it rain money, make it rain, I don't know, tacos. Like, I would just do something. I'd fly around the world a few times. I'd change time zones or something. I don't know. I would do all sorts of crazy. But after I got that out of my system, what would I really do? What would I want to do? So I really started thinking about what is it that I enjoy doing the most? Like, if I could just do the things that I love doing the most right now, what would I do? And it really came down to me realizing, like, I would do things for my family. I would do things for my kids, for my wife. Can I just brag on myself for a minute? Is that okay? Okay. It really is kind of the direction. I have to kind of say this, okay? Um, I got to do something awesome for my family just a few weeks ago. Uh, Ever since my kids have been old enough to talk, they have been asking for a dog. And ever since they started asking, I have been saying no. (laughs) And I've given them all the reasons why not, you know, and some reasons that I just kind of made up on the fly right? Like, you know, you're not responsible enough yet. You don't know how to do that yet. Who's going to pay for that dog? 
Who's going to take that dog out? Who's, who's going to clean up after that dog? It's exactly right. So far, that has proven true. I've done a great job so far of doing all those things. The surprise is out. I got my family a dog. I got them this cute little, it's a pretty incredible little puppy. And it was not cheap. I'm just going to be really honest with you. I put a lot of thought and time and have invested a lot in this dog. So this better work out. And I got to surprise them with this dog just a few weeks ago. And uh, up until, you know, about five weeks ago, this is too much math for me, but basically about two weeks before I got the dog there and surprised them. Because see, I put all this stuff into motion. I, I called our friends who actually breed these Aussie doodles and, and I figured out the timeline and I said, okay, perfect. We're going to do that. We would love that. Um, please don't tell my wife, okay, this is a prize. I mean, it's going to be the greatest moment of her life and I get to be responsible for it. Yes. Right. And so I put all this stuff into motion, and kind of her parents were coming into town at just the right time to swing by, pick up the new puppy, stop about 800 times along the way to let the, the dog go to the bathroom and all that sorts of fun stuff. And just two weeks before they get there with a the dog, my family really, really leaned into asking for, for a pet at this point. They had kind of caved to say, hey, we'll get a cat. We'll, we'll settle for a cat, Dad. And there was somewhere in town, I don't know where, that was giving away cats on Valentine's Day. And I was like, guys, and I just had to say, no, like, we're not going to do that. It's, it's, not, it's not something we need to do right now. And I seemed like a really big jerk. And if I'm being honest, my family hated me <laughs> just a little bit. I mean, they still love me, but they, they were not happy with me. And can I just tell you, totally worth it. <laughs> totally worth it. Because two weeks later, her parents come pulling up in the driveway. I've got them outside. We're playing basketball, just hanging out. They're like, why are we out here? Um, and I've got them all outside. Her mom gets out of the car, cradling this tiny little puppy, and they're like, what is that? What is that? And then just speechless, awe, wonder just strikes, and they don't know how to speak. They don't know how to do anything for the first time in their lives. My son starts making like sounds like, oh, you know, like this is a literal translation of what he did. Okay, that is what happened, right? Huge moment. My wife responded exactly the same way she responded when I proposed to her. What is that? Stop it. Whose is that? Oh, my gosh, right? Like this... <laughs> And I was like, win! <laughs> Greatest moment ever, right? That was a win. And can I just tell you, if I could do anything, that's what I would do all the time. Now, I wouldn't, Everest is the dog's name. I had to tell everybody, sorry, answered your question there. Uh, now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get dogs all the time, but that's what I would do. That's what I would do, is I would, I would find ways to bring my family joy. I would find ways to help my kids really walk and live in that purpose and find joy as they walk through life. Those are the things that I would want to do after I, after I got past all the crazy. And I think a lot of times when we think about a God that can do anything, we think about a God that can part the ocean, tear down you know, the walls of Jericho, save three guys from a fire and not let them get burned up, close the mouths of lions so Daniel doesn't get eaten in the lions. Like we think of all these huge moments in Scripture. But as I study scripture and as I look at my life, I realize God is really a God. He shows up in really small ways. He's a God that puts things into motion. It doesn't always just rain fire down from heaven when you, you think that's what needs to happen. He's a God that can do anything. Yes, he created everything that you know and everything that you see. Yes, he said, let there be light and light exploded out of nothing. He created everything. But when he got to his masterpiece, in case you didn't know, that's you. Ephesians chapter 2 tells you, you are God's masterpiece. Created 
by the God that can do anything. When he got to you, his masterpiece, he slowed down. And he formed you in his image. He breathed his life into you. And then when he was done, he took a break and he just stopped. And he wondered at you. Just let that sink in for a second. The God that we're trying to remind ourselves to just stop and wonder at. He stopped and wondered at you. And he said, that's real good. (laughs) That's really good. And I say all that to say that that's where we pick up in Psalm 139. It's this this moment in David's life where he decides, I'm going to stop and wonder at what God did when he made me. Verse 13, it says this. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. And what I want to do here is just uh, over the rest of the time that we have together is just kind of break down each of these verses so that they make a little bit more sense in our context. And, and today, I think this is probably the easiest one to break down. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. In other words, God made you on purpose. He made you on purpose. You are not an accident, no matter what your parents may have said. (laughs) You're not, though. Everything about you, he made on purpose. And so whatever that thing is that when you look in the mirror, you go, he made that on purpose. He made you on purpose. Nothing about you is an accident. He formed all the inner parts of who you are. Every atom, every cell, every chromosome, everything about you, he made and said, this is good. You're not an accident. That smile that's on your face, he put that there on purpose. That weird laugh you get that you can't stop in the middle of a funny moment, (laughs) right? He made that on purpose. And so when you find yourselves in moments where you look in the mirror and you're not really all that sure, would you do what David did here? Remind yourself that God made you on purpose. He knit you together in your mother's womb. And it wasn't by accident. He made you on purpose. And David, he goes on in verse 14. He says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your worksmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Now, I know that that sounds super conceited and self-serving, like, I am wonderful. Look how great you did. But I don't think that's what David is doing. I don't think David feels like that at all. And so again, I think David is reminding himself, yes, God made me on purpose. And that first line, he says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. That word wonderfully, it means to be distinct, marked out, to be separated, to be distinguished. In other words, God, yes, he made you on purpose, but he also made you for a purpose. He made you for a purpose. In other words, there's a plan for you. There's something in this world that that you were made to do. There is purpose to your life. You were made on purpose and for a purpose. And and then he goes on, he says, your worksmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. That, that word for know it is yada. Everybody say yada. yada. Now say yada, yada, yada. <laughs> now you can say to your friends, hey, how was the message? Well, he talked about God and then yada, yada, yada. You got it? You have my permission. So three times just before that, there actually has been a yada, yada, yada. 
And this is the fourth time in Psalm 139 where he says yada. But instead of uh, that, that word yada, it means uh, to know, right? But instead of, of God knowing us, David's talking about how he knows God. But he actually talks about how his soul knows God. He says, how well I know it. But the word there for I, I know this is a lot of word study, so I apologize, but hear me. The word there for I is the word nefesh. I won't make you say that one. Nefesh. It's actually the same word that he uses in Psalm 103, where he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O nefesh. See, I think David's doing something very similar to what he was doing in Psalm 103. In Psalm 103, he did not feel like blessing the Lord. But he looked inward and he commanded his soul, bless the Lord. Everything within me, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. And see, I think he's doing something really similar here in this verse. I think he's saying, my soul knows that you made me on purpose. My soul knows that you made me for a purpose, but I don't feel like it. Right now, I do not feel like it. What's going on in my life right now doesn't make me feel like I have any purpose. I don't know about you, but I know that I've been in those moments where I feel useless or worthless, or if I just wasn't a part of the picture, it would be fine. Some people would be sad for a while or whatever, but... Right, but... David's saying, no, God, my soul knows you made me on purpose and for a purpose. And so I'm going to choose to lean into that. Because, see, I think that David realized that even if you have a low opinion of yourself or if somebody else speaks something into your life that is a low opinion of who you are, the reality is that is not a true reflection of how God feels about you. Your God made you on purpose and for a purpose. And so in those moments, remind yourself of that. That's what David does. He simply stops and he remembers who God is and how he works. He stops to wonder at God. My wife has this, we call it exquisite moments in our family. Um, I don't know where she came up with that, but I like it. She heard it somewhere. And at those moments where we just kind of stop in the middle of whatever is going on and we, we just go, oh yeah, God. Anybody else life get busy? Nobody? Okay, that's cool. For me, uh, Tuesdays are that day. <laughs> um, we get up earlier than normal. Now we'll have to get up earlier than that because we have a dog and we have to let that thing out. And... <sighs> wow, I didn't really mean to bring myself down in the middle of the message. No, we, now we've got to get up. We've got to take the dog out. We've got to feed the dog. Then we'll have to take the dog out again. Uh, then we've got to pack lunches. We've got to get the kids out of the bed somehow magically because they're always in a great mood in the mornings. And also, I'm in a great mood in the mornings. I am not, right? We get ready. We get dressed. We pack all the things. We probably forgot something. We get in the car. We barely make it to school on time. We drop them at school. Then we go to work. We go through work, whatever that might look like that day. Then drive back to the school, get in the car line, which is a fantastic place to be, waiting in car line. We pick up, we pick up the kids. And then that day, my daughter has a dance practice, and my son, a little bit later, has a soccer practice. So we do the change, we do the drop, we go to another drop, wait at that practice, then somehow we find probably Chick-fil-A drive through and then make it home in time to eat that, bathe, get in bed, rinse, repeat, right? We got to do that again, uh, a little less complicated on Wednesdays. And I say all that to say because somehow magically on a Tuesday, 
uh, a couple weeks ago, we sat at our dinner table together as a family after all the chaos of that day, and we ate dinner, and we shared conversations about our day, and we laughed, and my daughter made up some weird cup game that made zero sense, but we just had a blast. And this is not me bragging on my family. This is me saying that never happens, okay? And it was one of those moments for me where I just went, oh yeah, exquisite moment. God is, he's doing something. He's putting things into motion, and I can choose to recognize it, or I can choose to throw my hands up and go, huh. And so the challenge there is really just stop and wonder at God. Stop and wonder at who he is. Find those exquisite moments. He goes on in verse 15. It says this, You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. And as I first read that, it sounded like he was just repeating himself in a different way. But as I read it again, I realized that he actually, he puts the emphasis on utter seclusion and the dark of the womb. In other words, he's not, he's not talking about how great it is that God made him. Yes, it is great that God made him, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the process that God used to do it. He watched him in utter seclusion and in darkness, and it was in that that he formed him and he shaped him and he molded him. And see, I think David's reminding himself probably something that we all need to remind ourselves of, whether that be today or in those moments that we find ourselves feeling like we are in utter seclusion. Those moments where we feel just surrounded by darkness or hopelessness or worthlessness or whatever that thing might be for you in those moments. Remind yourself as David does right here, that he's in process. You're in process. And the God that, that formed you in the dark of the womb is forming you right now. He's shaping you right now. He's molding your life. My, uh, my dad has worked at this company for, I don't know how long, 30 years probably. He's been there for, for what seems like forever, okay? And uh, I think he's probably worked there now longer than anybody that works there. And he got to be a part of what they do is they, they make these giant, I can't make my arms large enough to be a, the thing. There's this large pump that you put outside of pools and there's like splash pads that shoot water out of the ground that kids love to run around and play in, that I love to run around and play in. It's just, I mean, he, he, he kind of got to design and create and kind of tweak and make better as, you know, things get better in life and and all these systems and pipes and pumps and filters and thingamajigs, I mean, all the stuff that is in this box, don't tell him I have no idea. I really don't. He's talked about it before. I don't know. There's all these things that get, they get the water from here to here, and there's something that happens in between, right? There's a process. And without fail, right? My dad knows these things inside and out, backwards, forwards. I mean, he's got it. And without fail, we'll be, you know, visiting them for a weekend or we'll be on a vacation together for a week. And he will get a call from somebody somewhere around the world, right? Because they're like, they're in Motel 6 somewhere. They're in Disney World. I mean, these things are everywhere around the world. And he'll get a call. First of all, I'm like, why are you answering that? He answers it. And then they ask him some question, some question about the doohickey in the middle. Is that important, basically? And he goes, yeah, that's important. And then they're like, what do we do? And then without hesitation, he just, bam, 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 bam. This is what you do. Take the doohickey, connect it to the whatchamajigger, and then everything should work. They connect it. It works. This thing now is working the way it's supposed to. 
And I, I tell that story all, all because the reality is that there is a process to the purpose of that pump, just like there is a process to your purpose. It's really tempting to try to figure out how do I jump to the thing that is going to bring me the most fulfillment ever? How do I jump into that purpose that God has called me to? And I think a lot of times we throw those words around a lot, especially kind of in our Christian culture a little bit, like I've been called to, you know, whatever the thing is. And then there's this pressure of what have I been called to do? I don't know. There's like this, it's kind of, it's scary. How do I know what I'm called to do? And can I just tell you that there is a process to your purpose? And right now, just like David in this moment in Scripture, you are in process. We are in process. And in those moments where you're surrounded by all the things, whether it's just busyness or frustration or hurt or pain or loss or grief, any of those things, maybe instead of throwing our hands to heaven and going, God, God that can do anything, do something. I know that feeling. I have been there. I have thrown my hands to heaven and had crazy conversations with God that supposedly can do anything but is seemingly not doing anything. What if instead of throwing our hands to heaven and saying, do something, what if we looked inward and said, what am I supposed to be doing? What if we realize that God's looking into our lives, trying to mold us and shape us, and he's saying, no, you, you do something. Yes, I'm the God that can do anything, but I want to do it through you. And there's a process that you're trying to skip over. There's a thingamajig and a whatchamacallit that you have yet to connect at some point in this process. And he's waiting for that to happen. And I promise you, if you are faithful to that process, if you figure out what that is that you need to have shaped and molded in your life, he will be faithful to show up and use you in ways that you never thought possible. He will show up in huge ways in your life, but you have to realize that there is a process to your purpose. Sometimes for a lot of us, it's, it's stuff like forgiveness or repentance. A hard one, grief. That's one we try to skip over sometimes. We just try to jump to the, to the happiness again and skip past everything that has to come all the things we have to learn in the process. Don't skip the process. God's called you to the process. And he's saying, just do something. And I know that that is a scary thought. Can I be honest with you? I wish that that sounded super encouraging. And I know that it's not. But let this be your encouragement. When you're going, I don't know what to do. Verse 16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God's got you. He's got you. God has always been in control. And he's got this. He's got you. I know you know the song. He's got the whole world. Yeah, he does. Oh, isn't it? Okay, I won't make y'all do it. I was ready to have church. But hear it. I know that's a song we sang as a kid or whatever. But hear the truth in it. I know we can't grasp it. We can't really comprehend holding the world in our hand. But he does. He's got it. He's got your story in his hand. He's got your life recorded and planned out and purposed. And he's just waiting for you to step into it. 
He's got you. And he's in control. And so you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about whatever you're in the middle of. Trust that he's got you, that he's got this. And in verse 17 and 18, he says, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Two things jump out to me in this. First, the God, the God of everything, he thinks about you. He thinks about me. And apparently a whole lot. More than the grains of sand, like all the grains of sand. He thinks about you. And then it says, and when I wake up, you are still with me. And what that tells me is this. God is always working. God is always working. Even when I choose to sleep, whether that be literally or just like, eh, I don't really feel like doing anything. That doesn't mean that he's not up to something. That doesn't mean he's not putting something into motion. Now, when you decide to sleep on the job, he might, he might put something into motion that you don't like very much. It might change your process a little bit because apparently there's something that you need to be shaped and molded in a little bit. But he doesn't stop working. That's not who he is. He is a God that can do anything. And guess what? He's doing something. Even when it seems like he isn't showing up, I promise you he has put something into motion in your life. God is always working. And I know that that sounds pretty, I don't know, just an overarching like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. But what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? What does that look like in our life, in our faith? How, how do I remind myself of that? And these are the three things that just kind of jumped out to me that I, I feel like if I can just hold on to these as promises and remember these to be true, then I can be faithful to the process that he's called me to. And it's simply this, the God who can know anything, he wants to think about you. The God that can be anywhere, he wants to spend time with you. And the God that can do anything, hear this, he wants to do something, but he wants to do it through you. He wants to move through you. When you think of all those huge stories that we read about in scripture, yes, he did part the ocean, but did you know what came before that? Moses' faithfulness and his obedience to step into that water and raise a stick in the air because God said so. And when he was faithful to that process, God showed up and he moved in a powerful way through Moses. Yes, the walls of Jericho came crumbling down, but it took, it took marching and yelling out of faithfulness and obedience to the process, even though it didn't make any sense. Yes, he shut the mouths of the lions, but Daniel was faithful and obedient his father in heaven. Yes, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were saved from the fire, but they were faithful to the process before that moment. And so God showed up and used them in a huge, powerful, mighty way. He took a shepherd boy and made him a king, which through his family would bring about the savior of the world. 
And the mind-blowing thing to me is, is, is simply the question of, do you think David knew that here in 2022 we would be sitting here reading a song that he wrote just to get his frustration out, to stop and wonder at God? No, he did not. He wasn't thinking about being on the hits list. He was just thinking, okay, I need to say this. This is how I feel, God. And the thing that just struck me huge this week was that when you're faithful to to the process, it's in the middle of that process that you realize that the process was the purpose all along. God's using you in the process. He's not waiting for you to get to some magical finish line and then you've arrived and then he can use you. No, he's choosing to use you all the way through that process to do huge, powerful things in his name. And so don't miss out on it. Don't miss out on it just because it feels like you're surrounded by something right now. Lean into who he is. Lean into his process. And so when you do feel hopeless and alone, when you feel like you are sitting in darkness and utter seclusion, may you be reminded of this. He made all the delicate inner parts of your body. And he knit you together in your mother's womb on purpose. And he is making you so wonderfully complex. Hear me. His worksmanship is marvelous. May your soul know it. He watched you as you were being formed in utter seclusion and as you were woven together in the dark of the womb. He saw you before you were born. Every day of your life is recorded in his book. Every moment laid out before a single day ever passed. He's got you. He's got you. God thinks about you and you couldn't count those thoughts if you tried. And so when you decide to wake up, he will still be there. He will still be there. He will always be there. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Will y'all pray with me this morning? Father God, I thank you so much that we get to call ourselves children of God. And that for whatever reason, you choose to think about us. You choose to spend time with us. You choose to use us. And we're not really all that sure why, God, but we just say thank you. Thank you for who you are. And right here in this moment today, God, we stop and we wonder at who you are, at the God that can do anything. You know, I don't know if there's there's anybody here today that, that you're in that place right now seclusion and darkness and you have been waiting for God to just show up and do something I just want to ask you really quick if that's you if you're willing today to just say I don't know what I'm going to do but I'm going to do something because I know that he has called me to do it Can I just invite you to slip your hand up for just a second? To just take that step in your faith to say, I am going to follow Jesus knowing that he has purposed me for something. Because I would love to just pray over you right now. Father God, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for your people. And I ask right now for anyone that's in this room or watching online that might be surrounded right now might feel hopeless or alone or just feels like they've been waiting on you forever. 
God, would you just give them courage to walk through the process that you have laid before them? And as they do, God, would you please be faithful to show up as they are faithful to go through that? And right now in this moment, God, we stop and we pause and we just wonder at who you are. And we say thank you for who you are, the God that can do anything. We pray in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you guys if you would just stand to your feet. And right now, Danielle and the team, they're going to lead us in, in worship. And we are going to sing to that God that can do anything. And I want to challenge you. Don't, don't just go through the motions of worship. Stop for a minute and really wonder at who he is in your life. And I promise you, he's going to show up in your life in ways that you never thought possible. Let's worship this morning. Awesome. I don't know if you know this, but we believe in the power of speaking a blessing over you. So I'm just going to ask you if you would, whether you're here in the room or you're watching online, would you just lift your hands to receive this? And I just want to speak a really simple blessing over you, a simple blessing of faithfulness. May you be faithful to his process. And I want to speak a blessing of courage over you, over your life. May you walk in courage. May you know that you have been created to be courageous. And that God has created you on purpose and for a purpose. And so walk in that. Lean into that. Know that you have been called by the creator of everything. The God that can do anything to do something. And so now I just commission you to go out of this place and share the love of Jesus with everyone that you come into contact with. Because we know that each and every one of us has been purposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. Amen. Church, we love you and we cannot wait to see what God is going to do through you this week. We'll see you soon. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Upward Christian Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.